0: So in this video for Core One, HSC Health Priorities in Australia, we are looking at the dot point once again: groups experiencing health inequities. In this video, though, we're going to go through our second group of choice. And remember, we only need to know two groups, and we've already covered Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. So in this group, we're actually going to do the second one down on the list, which is socioeconomically disadvantaged people. Once again, on the right-hand side of the syllabus, we're going to research and analyse socioeconomically disadvantaged people by investigating the nature and extent of their health inequities, the socio-cultural, socio-economic and environmental determinants, and the roles of individuals, communities and governments in addressing these health inequities. Now, before I continue on, I will quickly give you the note as to why why do we choose this group as opposed to the others on the list is very simple, because the nature and extent of health inequities, the determinants and the roles of the individuals, communities and governments for the most part mirror the same as our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples because a lot of the um, health inequities that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples experience is due to them being socioeconomically disadvantaged. So a lot of the stuff that I'm gonna say and write down in this video should basically be rehashing rehashing the previous video, which means you only really need to remember sort of one major set of trends and statistics and reasons um, for either group. But anyway, Without further ado, let's get to it. Okay, so socioeconomically disadvantaged peoples. Once you write it once, you can then use the abbreviation SEDs. All right. So looking at the nature and extent of the issue. So these are the statistics, trends, prevalence, incidence, etc. So what do we know? they have higher mortality rates from CVD. So even though CVD is like the number one killer of males in Australia and number two for females, if you look at those statistics for just said people, it becomes one-on-one, okay? So it overtakes um, dementia. So looking at morbidity, so things that they suffer from, they have higher rates of diabetes, stroke, cerebrovascular disease, lung cancer, kidney issues, liver disease, okay, all of these things, um, and a lot of these are largely due to lifestyle. So we know that diabetes uh, largely can be due to a very poor diet. Um, we know that lung cancer, oh, and stroke, sorry, due to poor diet, because block, atherosclerosis, so blocking of the arteries which go to the brain. Lung cancer, uh, related to smoking. Kidney and liver disease, basically related to substance abuse, okay, so alcohol, other drugs, et cetera. Right, so we know that socioeconomically disadvantaged people, despite not having lots of money, they seem to be spending what money they do have on bad things. That's bad. They have lower life expectancy compared to other people in higher um, socioeconomic status. Uh, they have poor oral health. So we're talking about mouth there, so teeth, throat, etc. So then they have like higher rates of throat cancer and things like that, which is also related to smoking, but anyway. Um they have high infant mortality rates, okay, so they don't get a lot of aftercare even, uh, but that is one of the inequities the government's trying to address. And they have lower survival and management rates of these things once they're diagnosed. Okay, So if, so these things, so diabetes, cancer, dis- kidney and liver disease, they can be managed and you can still live a long, may not be um, an optimal life, but you can still live a long life by managing these conditions. However. People who are socioeconomically disadvantaged generally don't, okay? Once you are diagnosed with these and socioeconomically disadvantaged, generally your mortality um, will come sooner as opposed to somebody who has um, a higher socioeconomic status. Now, the major explanation for all of this, and this is the thing you need to keep in mind when you're answering your questions, is that SEDs are less likely to engage in preventative health behaviours or protective health behaviours Due to their lack of income and their lack of education. So, you should remember that socioeconomic, when we talk about that, it is relating to income, employment, and education, those three things. So, because these things are down, therefore, bad things tend to happen. So, that's the nature and extent. So, now let's go through the socio cultural determinants. So, remember, we're looking at here family, peers, media, religion, culture, sort of things that you know, make a person and their surroundings. So we know that uh, SEDS, or low socioeconomic status people, have increased usage of tobacco, like cigarettes, increased uh, usage of alcohol, and also increased usage of illicit substances, like, you know, marijuana, cocaine, speed, ice, ecstasy, MDMA, all the all the bad things, okay? Despite not having any money. This, this is the bit that, that baffles me, okay, so like, my wife and I, like, we're not low-income earners by any status. Um, I, I make an okay amount of money teaching. Um, my wife only works a couple of days a week, but you know she makes okay money. So we're sort of okay. We're average. But if you said to me right now, "Oh, have you got to spare X amount of money to buy these things?" I, I don't. I literally don't. Okay. So I don't know how these people with less money than me can do it. It's crazy. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. Um, now, increased usage, how does it relate to socio-cultural terms? Because that's that's what's seen as normal in the culture, okay? If you live in a low SES or a said community, it is seen that everybody does these things and it's just normal and, you know, therefore you do it. And if you're not doing it, well, you're probably going to be peer pressured into doing it, okay? Now, I'm sure you can identify some low SES areas in Newcastle and Lake Macquarie and uh, you would know that... People, not everybody, obviously, but people who live in those areas are more likely to do these things. Okay. Next point, and this is a major one. So this is like remember with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, I was talking about breaking that cycle. Well, the cycle thing exists with socioeconomically disadvantaged people too. So children raised in said families are exposed to poor health behaviours from a very young age. Okay, and then see this as normal. Right. It. it It amazes me, like, because I've got two young girls. It amazes me how much they learn from watching. Some of the things they say and some of the things they do is freaking hilarious. Okay, because they just they just mimic Liz and I, right? And it's sometimes it's not very good things. Although I'm a very positive role model. However, most of the time, if like Ivy or even Sage will do something, that's just. I would consider, like, advanced, like, above, above their years. Like, how do you know to do that? Or how do you know to say that in the right social context? It's not because I've taught them that. It's just because it's what Liz and I do. And therefore, they do the same thing. So then you flip this into a negative, okay? Imagine if I was going home every day from work and I was, like, yelling at Liz and, like, being really abusive and, and a nasty person. And then I was feeding my kids really poor food, um, you know, like, hot chips every night with chicken salt and heaps of tomato sauce, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm not judging here, I'm not being judgy, but I'm just saying, like, those poor, and then, you know, I was chain-smoking cigarettes at the same time, and I was also, you know, drinking alcohol, and then maybe I'd go into a bedroom with a weird-looking pipe thingy, and shut the door for 10 minutes, and then come out again, and I'd be happy again. Um, children see all that stuff, and even though you try and not expose your, your children to that, and I'm not saying that um, people from said, families are bad parents at all but just those behaviors that they do in their normal life children see and they therefore they see that as normal so when they grow up that's what they do because that's what mum and dad did and that's what everybody in my community does and that's just normal like why would I do anything different so that's the cycle and that's one of the major contributors as to their poor health and that also leads into and also explains that last point there is that the community attitude will influence your health decisions. So the people you surround yourself in, whether you are conscious of it or not, will have an influence. Okay. I can explain this in my own sense, not from a said perspective and not from a drug and alcohol perspective, but let's talk about lawn mowing. Okay. I live on a street. It's a fairly big street. Um, everyone's got a yard and it just takes that one guy, that one guy within my you know, 180 degree view when I stand out in front of my house to mow their lawn. And then it just has this ripple effect, right? Because you can't be that person in like the 180 degree view that doesn't have a mowed lawn when that one guy mows his lawn. So then one guy mows his lawn and then like the next day we're all out there mowing our lawns. It's, it's stupid. And like, that's not a conscious decision I'm making. That's just because you see one lawn and everyone else's lawn is like long and raggedy and covered in leaves and not edged nicely. And then you're like, okay, got to mow my lawn, got to keep up with the Joneses. And th- but that same thing in a negative sense will apply to sociocultural, pe- um, sociocultural determinants for SEDS. So if you know people are out the front of their house, drinking alcohol, just doing poor health things, then you'll be out there and you'll be like, well, that's what I'll do too, because that's what everyone does. Anyway. So that's sociocultural determinants. Okay, so the next one is looking at the socioeconomic determinants, and we need to look at the socioeconomic determinants for the socioeconomically economically disadvantaged people, so you can, I don't know, I find it quite funny, anyway, whatever, I have no life. Lower education levels, which we've already talked about, and completion rates for those, you know, U10 Rosa, U12 HSC, going to TAFE and completing a course, going to HSC and completing a degree, all that kind of stuff. Is mainly due well not mainly due but one of the significant reasons that is because of the cycle we talked about before the lower importance from families so i can remember from a very very young age i don't know i was in U four year five like i didn't even know what left and right was and my parents were like you're going to university i didn't even know what university was it's a really big word it's still a really big word and i was like but why? I don't understand why I have to go to university. And you're like, well, because we've paid money into this fund and the only way you can get the money for the fund to help you through university is by actually going to university. And it's sort of like dead money. And you know, they, they stressed how important it was for me to go to university. Tells that The whole fund thing was a crock. That didn't pan out at all. I had to pay myself, pay my own way through university. However, what it did teach me from, you know, when I was like nine or 10 was that I need to go to university because mum and dad were scary and I didn't want to upset them and I didn't want to be in trouble again. So that's what I did. I got, got my way through primary school, got my way through high school, went to university just because that's that's how it was from a young age. The opposite thing applies to socioeconomically disadvantaged families because of that cycle. They see mum and dad, they didn't go to university. They don't have very good employment opportunities and they're not really impressing on me that I need to do that, so I'm not going to university. Or, and I'm not saying you have to go to university to get a good job, that's not what I'm saying here. Um, but what I'm saying is because of that not being impressed on children or as they're going through high school, they, lack, they put less importance of it and therefore other things become higher on the importance scale, all right? not necessarily all the time, but because of the lower education levels, we do know that there's a direct correlation between education levels and income, okay? So therefore, because lower education levels, lower completion rate, and lower importance on self-education, I might write that here. Lower importance of self-education, so if they realize that they need a certain skill or qualification to get a certain job, okay? For example, I would do that. you know if the principal came to me tomorrow and said hey if you go and do this training you've got to do it in your own time but at the end of that training you would you know earn 20 or 30 thousand dollars more per year i'd totally do that i mean i could just become a principal but i don't want to do that anyway Self-education. They don't because the whole education thing is not important to them, they therefore, therefore don't chase it up themselves either. So it's not just mum and dad's fault, right? So that leads to lower um, income. Because lower education levels and completion rates means that they have higher rates of unemployment. And from our Aboriginal social on the video, you should remember that higher rates of unemployment directly correlates with increased mental health issues because of depression and anxiety and stress from not being able to afford things for your family. Because of all these things, we therefore see that social economy disadvantaged people have higher usage of government payments, such as Centrelink, okay? I mean, that's what the whole thing was put in place for. So Centrelink is designed to achieve equity, all right? People who cannot make ends meet can access a government payment, which is paid by tax, by so all the tax that I pay to the government goes, therefore, to people, and it is designed to actually help improve their health and living standards. Now, it makes me angry, therefore, if people are taking Centrelink payments and instead of spending it on clothes and shelter and good food for their children, whatever, and they just go and blow it on pokies or drugs and alcohol and stuff like that, in like, that infuriates me because that was my money and it's meant to be there to be helping people because I do want to help people who are legitimately needing the help. I don't want you to help you have a good time when I could use that money for my own good time. What is a good time? Who knows? And the last one here is less employment options. So because of the income, because of the education levels, and because they're not placing self-employment, uh, self-education as important, they're therefore less employability. And then once again, the cycle continues. Okay, environmental determinants are, oh, are our last set of determinants that we need to go through. So socially, disadvantaged people do have a higher amount living rurally and remote, which is mainly income-based, okay? And I also wrote in the next sentence, but it's not as significant as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. So when I say that um, socially, disadvantaged people live rurally and remote, they're not necessarily all living in the middle of Australia. We know that's not true. There are pockets of socioeconomically disadvantaged peoples living in most major cities and metro- metropolis areas. However, they are usually out okay out away from the main central hub out away from um, the coastline due to the price of houses and rentals okay so if you have my house at charlestown yes i live at charlestown i don't care that you know it's a big place and my house at charlestown is i don't know what's it worth these days let's say 700,000 okay you take my exact same house okay shape Everything exactly the same, all the furnishing the same. You then drop that house at Merriweather on the same block of land. everything else is the same. All that's changed really is my suburb from Charlestown Merriweather. All of a sudden now my house has gone from 700,000 to like 1.2 million, if not more okay You then pick the same house up, drop it back at Charlestown and then pick it up again and let's move it out to Morissette. That house now, $550,000, okay? The price of house and land is not based on the price of the house. What I'm getting at is based on the price of the land itself, all right? So the block that your house sits on is where the value is, all right? That's why over time, house price house prices are going up. No, the house price hasn't changed. It's the land price which is going up, Because land is cheaper, the further away you get from city areas and the coastline, therefore you have a higher amount of socioeconomically disadvantaged people living there. Now, because of this, their access to health facilities and access to health technology, okay, so we're talking about not only like GPs, dentists, physios, chiros, all that kind of stuff, but also like MRIs, CT scans, dialysis. It is all limited due to their location, but then also due to their education, so not knowing that one, something could be wrong with their health and they should probably look it up, um, or two, not knowing what treatment they need to get for their health problem, and income, because they don't have much spare money, they can't then go, and usually they don't have private health insurance, which is a big one. I'll write it down. All right, and we will actually talk about private health insurance in a couple of videos time. So, don't afford private health insurance. Therefore, if you need to access an MRI or a CT scan or whatever, ask Mr. Steele about it. He had one yesterday and he's still talking about it. He was freaking out. Um, you have to pay for that out of pocket. And to go and get like an MRI or CT scan, we're talking like 500, $600 to lay there in, on a bed for 20 minutes and have them take like thousands of photos of slice slices of your brain. So not cool. Not everyone has that money. I certainly don't. I mean. If I needed to, I would, but I also have private health insurance, which will cover it for me. Thanks guys. So that's environmental determinants. So now we're going to go through, and I'll do it in the same, I'll just do it on one screen like I did with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We'll go through the roles of the individuals, communities and the government in addressing their health inequities. Okay, so roles of the individuals, communities and governments in addressing the health inequities displayed by socioeconomically disadvantaged peoples. So once again, we'll start at the other end, we'll go for individuals and we'll work along. So individuals, a lot of their health inequities that we discussed at the start of this video, much like Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, are due to lifestyle choices. And while it is a cycle, you see your mum and dad doing it, or everyone in the family and everyone in the community doing it, therefore you're doing it, doesn't mean you have to do it. It is possible to break away from the mold, okay? And that needs to be encouraged. Other things that individuals could do, okay? E.g., so they could use their limited income that they have either from the government payments or from the work that they do complete to improve their education, okay? If you go out and self-educate, improve your education, you therefore will have greater job prospects, okay? Or you could use that money on better quality food as opposed to poor quality food. You could not spend it on alcohol and cigarettes, et cetera, because though both those things are not necessary for life. Um, You could even access private health insurance at like a very low basic cost if necessary or you could simply just go and visit your gp and pay out of pocket okay an out-of-pocket visit to the gp mind you is about 50 or 60 bucks however most gps through medicare which we'll get talked about in government will have a no like there will be no gaps. you can just go to there anyway all right but to go to the gp you need to actually go to the doctors you can't just sit at home and help hopefully someone's gonna knock on your door and ask you if you need a doctor's appointment. Doesn't work that way. So individuals must take it upon themselves to access the help that is provided and make better choices with the limited resources and funding they have. Communities. So the community, um, Provide facilities such as PCYC, okay? Most PCYCs has gyms in them these days. So if you wanted to improve your health, physical health, you could go to the PCYC, which doesn't generally cost money or even if it does cost money, the membership is like ridiculously low. It's like $60 for a year. And then you get access to like, like a fully equipped gym, all right, which will have like cardio machines for improving your heart health, cardiovascular health, etc. but also weights if you wanted to improve strength, power, endurance, whatever, bone density, all that stuff okay, is achievable and accessible. Community will also run initiatives and focus groups within the area for um, current issues in that community. So a good example is you may have heard of men's sheds. All right? So men's sheds is basically a place in a community when a community identifies that a lot of males in that area suffer from mental health issues. So men's shed is basically sort of like a safe place where men can go um, and all basically just Kick back, relax in a positive environment and talk about issues that worry them and trouble them. So what is making them stressed? What is making them anxious? Okay, Because everyone there is in the same boat or has been in the same boat previously uh, and there's sort of like no judgment. So that's a good thing that communities can run. And the last thing I'm gonna say about communities is looking at infrastructure, e.g. building playgrounds, building paths, having clean streets with no rubbish, etc. Okay, So all of these things make areas desirable to live Okay. And if something is desirable to live, it will increase the value and therefore increase, hopefully, the access to resources that these people have and hopefully get them out of being socioeconomically disadvantaged. Last one, governments. So the government does provide a minimum payment assistance, which is means tested okay, for job seekers. So that means that it's tested in two ways. Way number one is that you need to provide bank statements um, and income receipts from you and anyone else living in your household to show the money coming in. And then on top of that, you actually need to actively show the government that you are applying for jobs if you do not currently have one. And if you do those two things then a fortnightly you will get a minimum payment. So the minimum payment is sort of what the government says is the minimum amount that you should be able to live on for two weeks with your current family situation. So it's not a lot of money, but it, in most cases it is enough. And clearly from what we discussed earlier in the video, it's more than enough for some people because then they're using that money on bad things instead of good things. The government also provides uh, child support for children who are born. So it used to be, the child support payment used to be like a monthly thing. And then they changed it to like a one-off payment per child, but it would only go up to four children. And I think currently uh, it is. So nowadays what they've done is they've got rid of the monthly payments, they've got rid of the one-off payments per child and what they now do for child support is actually subsidize child care, okay? So, and that's not means tested. So IV goes across the road to Honeybee. The Honeybee fee is like $153 per day and the government pays half of that, all right? So we, out of pocket, we only pay like, what's that, $76.50 a day for Ivy to go to Honeybee. Um, And that's the same for everyone, all right? So it's equitable. So the government is basically saying, all right, well, originally they were just giving money out in dribs and drabs, and then that was sort of useful, but it didn't help. Socioeconomically disadvantaged people get ahead. So then, when they changed it to the lump sum payment when your child was born, I think it was like $4,000. The government just gave you, like every parent who had a child, $4,000 per child for the first four children. But then people were going out and buying TVs and stuff, which doesn't (laughs) help the child either. So, this way, what they're actually, the government has done, it's, it's quite smart from the government's perspective. It's like, okay, we want you to be in a better position, we want you working. So we will subsidize the cost of you putting your child in daycare um, while you are working and therefore earning your own money. So smart. The other one we talked about um, in the previous video which is immunizations, okay? So children up to four years of age uh, have a government schedule of immunizations which is strongly recommended that you do and that is not means tested as well. So anybody can go and get their children immunized and we we know that immunization is a solid way of preventing illness and disease in certain categories. Actually, Sage had her meningococcal yesterday. So yeah, anyway, side note. Last one, funding, so the government, the last thing they do is they, they fund like major, major national services, Centrelink, JobSeeker, Medicare, etc. cetera, okay? All of these things are funded by the government and then taxpayer dollars as well to therefore enable socioeconomically disadvantaged people to access health facilities, Access treatment for health issues, access education if they seek it out, and then also help them to access employment. Yeah, so a lot of the stuff that I've just mentioned in this video is rehashing what we went through in the Aboriginal on people's videos because the same issues exist, but hopefully that will help you one, like solidify your knowledge of socioeconomic disadvantaged peoples but two there may have been something I've said today which has helped you understand the inequities that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples experience too um, and given you some good examples as to how you can apply this in your exam style questions. So that is groups experiencing health inequities done. Thanks bye.